How are you? Hang on, I'm going to stop you there, Raymond. Before we get going on this week's podcast, this is a little reminder, if you wouldn't mind, to rate and review at the end. You can also subscribe so you automatically get our latest podcast the minute we put it up. I think you mean drop. Drop what? <laughs> did you just say drops? Yes, I did. The podcast drops. It's not land. <laughs> no. I always prefer when you say, hit that subscribe button. Well, whatever you do, make it easy on yourself and subscribe. That's better. Hello, you're listening to Jenny and Ray at home. I'm Jenny. I'm Ray. And here is home. Are you okay there? I'm practicing my mic technique. Why? Because I'm going late night. Uh, <laughs> would you like to do late night radio? No. <laughs> <laughs> but the late night jocks are right up to the microphone. So intimate. They're so sexy. Do they do that anymore? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, is there even late night radio anymore? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they they turn down the lights. Yeah. Sometimes even daytime. No, I was going to say, I know DJs. Yeah. Now this is going back a bit. You'd go into the studio and it was like it was midnight. Horrible. We had a guy on during the week, Tom Holland's dad, <laughs> Dominic Holland. The reason I tell you that is because during my research, I was looking and listening to an interview he did on Dubai radio. Okay. They had some wow, 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 wow studio. Oh yeah, it was all filmed. Yes, yeah, but the studio was just amazing. Just all the, it, you, you knew it was the best of wood, the best of padding, everything looked plush and moneyed, you know, just huge amount of money. Mm. Microphones looked really expensive, like thousands of euros or dollars or pounds each. Just, just everything about it was money, money, money. What did it sound like? It sounded brilliant. Like, yeah. it, it, but that, you still have to have content, don't you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I just meant the sound quality. Oh, the sound quality was amazing. Sound quality was amazing. <laughs> I was sort of, it was it went on for about a half an hour. So, you know, the way your, your eye wanders and I was just looking around the studio. And then I spotted this little thing. It looked like, you know, those reserved cards, cards that you put on tables mm-hmm. in a restaurant. Yeah. But it said, speak into the mic. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> just in case you well, didn't know. You know, there's a lot to be said for it. I don't know how many times I've said that to people when they come in. Dominic Holland, Tom Holland's dad. He's written a book called Eclipsed. Who's Tom Holland, dad? <laughs> no, I'm serious. There might be some people listening. All right, he's Spider-Man. He's yeah, Spider-Man. Okay. Just in case. Yeah, he is Spider-Man. Um, so he's the dad of Spider-Man. Yes. Yeah, in real life, <laughs> as to say. Mm. But he himself uh, is a comedian and he won the Perrier Award in Edinburgh in the 90s. He performed at the Royal Variety Performance he was regular enough on TV and it looked like he was going to be a, you know, a big comedian. Yeah. And then at some stage along, and he says it, I'm not, you know, saying anything that hasn't he hasn't said already, his career plateaued. Uh, and now he does most of his work in parish halls. Okay. But they're, like he makes a living out of it. Yeah. And he's reared four children. Tom Holland is the eldest of four boys. How does that happen now? What, like, did his jokes just... He's right. Like, what happens? I didn't quiz him on that. I thought, like, uh, the more comedy you do, the better it gets. He did say that he didn't have a lot of confidence. Okay. He said, to be a very successful comedian, you need to just be, you know, bulletproof when it comes to your self-esteem and your confidence. So that you can't have any doubts whatsoever. Because if audiences see a chink, this is what he wrote in the book. Okay. If they see a chink of, 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 you know, fallibility or vulnerability, 
they'll go after it and they, they, you know, they don't like that. Okay. So he he was he was grappling with that. It's that thing, isn't it? I don't know who said it. My mother always quotes to me. Sometimes we're afraid of how great we can be, and I think that was a, that was a bit of it. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so so he, he told lovely stories about uh, Tom because when Tom was a toddler, he was working on the Des O'Connor show, and uh, back in the day, what was the nineties or the Janet Jackson was on the show. I think he was doing warm up. Right. And writing for Des O'Connor at the time. Janet Jackson was on the show singing Together Again, which was a huge hit, and she was doing a dance routine. And I don't know if they're recording it without an audience or rehearsing before the audience came in, but he was sitting in the bleachers of the studio watching this, right? And he was just completely spellbound by Janet Jackson mm. and her moves and everything. So when it was going out, because it was a pre-record, when it was going out, he made sure that they watched it at home himself and his wife and they taped it onto VHS and while they were watching it little Tom Holland toddler was in those things what do you call them the sort of bouncer yeah you know you, you, you can hang it, it off a, a door frame a door frame yeah and you I, put the little toddler yeah, in it and they just bounce they up just and bounce down. around right and Lynn I think is his wife's name Lynn turned to Dominic and said he's a dancer Huh? Right. And uh, he's got rhythm. She, she was going, yeah, yeah, okay, well, whatever, whatever. <laughs> he's just bouncing. <laughs> he just bouncing Come on. Right. The, the toddler, as often happens, got obsessed with Janet Jackson and that piece of VHS tape from the Desert Connor show. Okay. And they had to play it over and over again. And it, it was the only thing that he danced around to. Eventually, they got him the, the, the CD again, the only thing he listened to, blah, blah, blah. As a result of him dancing to that, they put him into dance classes. As a result of that, uh, he was uh, uh, cast in Billy Elliot, uh, the musical in London. As a result of that, he was spotted by talent scouts. He was in that amazing movie with Ewan McGregor and I think Naomi Watts called The Impossible, which was about a true life story of a family who got caught up in the tsunami. And uh, as a result of that, he went on to become Spider-Man. Wow. Uh, but all from such a mad story. All from a, a working class back, work, working class background, and uh, uh, like our kids love him. Oh yeah, he, he just has something about him. It's not just that he is Spider Man, but when he's interviewed, he's just yeah, he's particularly brilliant. And the really weird thing, I find it really odd when I hear him speak with his normal accent. <laughs> in my in my world, he is an American accent. Yeah, but he's London. He's from yeah, London. yeah, he's yeah. total London. Like. Yeah. <laughs> So there's a story of it's a good one. Dominic Holland, his son Tom, who's Spider-Man, and the book Eclipsed. Just bonkers. And how would you feel if one of our children became so successful that they eclipsed our success? Uh, <laughs> not, not wouldn't that, be that hard. Wouldn't be that hard. Yeah. The bar is quite. The bar I is would. Quite I, I'm always. Um, I'm very cynical towards fame, and I just don't think it brings like that type of fame. I'm talking about. I just don't think it brings you happiness. No. I think it seems right. to like everyone goes, wow, what an amazing life. But I actually think it brings more pain and difficulties than anything. So I think I'd probably as a not a real worrier, I suppose the, the things that I worry about the most are probably my children. Now, not worry, but, you know, I would think about them the most. So I think if they did become famous, that would be a massive worry for me. Well, it, it, it hasn't turned out well for a lot of child actors. Let's oh, be honest. It hasn't. Like. The majority of the time, it's a disaster. Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Drew Barrymore came through the other she side. She did, she yeah. But she had, like she was like drinking and taking drugs at the age of 12. Yeah. I love that guy. He was the, he was 
in was it Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or um Jesus now we're going back a bit now. Willy Chitty Chitty Wonka, Bang Bang Willy Wonka's chocolate one of oh, those one of kids. He was he was the actor from um uh Willy Wonka. Yes. He's now a vet, isn't yes. he? Yes. Yeah. And he won't do any interviews and yeah. that's he just decided that's his life. And then the reason I'm getting a bit confused there is that we spoke to the boy from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and he intimated without being explicit that the girl hadn't handled the whole experience too well. Yeah. It's still, yeah, difficult. And and then to, to feel whether it's real or not that you've done, you know, you've hit the peak that early. Yeah. You know, what, but that's what, like what even else? sports what stars. That's yeah. like sports stars. You know, when they have to retire in their 30s and then they're like, what am I going to do now? Or if you're, if you're a, a gymnast in your 20s. Yeah. I think, as I've always said, average is really good. <laughs> no average. You know, aspire for average. It's good in everything. <laughs> like if you're average, it's good. Like you're not bad and you're not amazing. Yeah. So it's just good. It's a good spot to be in. Oh, it is. No, and it it, it, it may sound boring, <laughs> but the middle of the road, it's safe enough there. <laughs> It's like it's it, it's that all those expressions because all the expressions if you look at them and I can't think of them all now but for example putting your head above the parapet they all signal danger yeah yeah you're <laughs> gonna get your head chopped <laughs> yeah, off yeah 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 <laughs> going ahead of the posse all those things they're they're just yeah danger 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 <laughs> danger 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 and um, I was sitting out the back there and I thought I spotted a ladybird you were fascinated yeah. And it was you hanging. were like David Attenborough there. <laughs> you nearly got your binoculars out. But the reason I was fascinated was that uh, <laughs> ladybirds were big in my childhood. Like huge. It was like you, you'd knock two hours out of a ladybird. <laughs> Just entertainment. Just watching them. Yeah. And you'd go down and then you'd call all your mates in and you'd have it on your on the back of your hand. And you just you'd, and it'd crawl around your hand, and then at one stage, its back armory you'd open up, and the that was the worst. Out, yeah, oh yeah, that was the worst. <laughs> that <laughs> it was all lovely and oh little ladybird, and then that would happen to you, <laughs> throw it off you. But I remember one year, it's in the early eighties. I can't find any record of it on on Google, so maybe I'm imagining this. Anyway, there was a dearth of ladybirds because of some pesticide, right? That was uh, that was sprayed. And it upset the whole ecological sort of whatever conditions that year. Ladybirds, I don't know if you know this, they eat green flies. And when there weren't enough ladybirds around, there was there were too many green flies. So I was in the FCA at the time. Mm. Uh, the free they used to call it the Free Clothes Association. It's it's FCA stands for Four C Cousin to or Tool or something. It, it's the local defence forces. And uh our uniforms were all green with green berets. Right, so in this particular summer in the early 80s, uh, we were on camp and we were out uh, in Kildare Barracks Square Bashing, as they call it. Which is? Which is, you're learning to march. Okay. That's left, right, left, right, left, right. But they do it like that. It's nearly nasal. Yeah. And you just do it and you can do it for hours and hours and end. And then you do Buenara. And that's when you come to attention. Uh, and and then you do uh, whatever the other one is. You, you so attention is your two heels together and your arms down by your side, thumbs holding on to the seams of your pants, shoulders back, looking straight ahead. You know, and then you can at ease is where you you can separate your two feet and then put your hands behind your back. Okay, like Dinny used to do when he was walking around the farm. I thought at ease was like, well, yeah, okay, I can just totally <laughs> shake it off, like. So anyway, this particular day, we were out doing the square bashing and we weren't doing very well. So they were, they were keeping us in a, a 
attention position for a long time, you know, heels together, shoulders back, hands down by your side, staring ahead. And next thing what happens, there's this swarm of green flies oh, because we're all green. Yeah. So we, we look like a patch of grass or something in the middle of this concrete jungle. And they all head for you. They all head for us. So initially people are going, moving their nose around because a green fly had landed on the right. <laughs> because you can't move. Like you can't move. Uh, and the, the guy who was in charge was going, Prime Dorothy, Murphy, Murphy, stay still. All that sort of rubbish. But eventually, there were so many green flies causing so many irritations that it, 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 it like it was comical. So people started going. And they had to move. They had to move. <laughs> it's a group of 50 guys in uniforms sort of jigging around the middle of a square in Kildare. It was, if ever, if ever, and I'm never going to do it, some sort of comedy I'm going to write that in. <laughs> that that's that was just visually funny. Attack of the green fly. Which brings us nicely on to Man versus Bee. Such a ridiculously stupid show, <laughs> but addictively funny. Rowan Atkinson, you know him from Mr. Bean. This is his new show on Netflix. And it is exactly what it says in the tin. It is Man versus Bee. Rowan Atkinson versus Unnamed Bee. He's, he's not even in the, the cast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Like the premise is brilliant, though, how it's set up. He is his first ever job house sitting in this absolutely stunningly oh, gorgeous house envy. Yeah, like this most amazing house. And the two people who are heading off on holidays are complete pains. And they have they leave the dog behind and they just have all these rules and everything the house is basically computerized everything. Like to open a drawer, you have to wave your hand, blah, blah, blah. And then it starts off him being left in the house and a bee flies in. That's it. That is it. And they're really short. That's the great thing. I think what some of them are even 10 minutes. No, most of them are, most of them are 10 minutes. One of them is 20 minutes long. But they're, yeah, it's, I, I laughed. We watched them all. We yeah, watched yeah. nine of them last night. Very, very funny. There's some really. Some very funny. Yes, yeah, yeah. You, but you were, you I were found it uncomfortable. Like I, <laughs> when we started watching, I was like, I don't know if I can watch this because I knew what was going to happen as in, I just knew the mayhem he was going to cause and what was going to happen in the house. And I actually couldn't cope with it almost. I, I found it very stressful. I just was like, oh my God. Yeah. But it was enjoyable in a tension way. Man versus B on Netflix. Um, Where's he been now for the last while? Counting his money. Yeah. That's what he's been doing. That's what he's been doing. He must have just missed it and wanted to get back. Bit of crack, maybe. Uh, and it was like, it was all in one location. I was going to say, so easy to shoot. Yeah. That fab house. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. And was I was even thinking the laugh himself and your man, the writer, would have had together, like coming up with these scenarios. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. He, he is a clown <laughs> and, and such a brilliant clown in the, in yeah. the Charlie Chaplin. Imagine if he'd ever had Botox. He would not have a career. <laughs> yeah. Like his whole face. He's like, you know, those dogs with the foldy skin. Yeah. Like it's so animated. His face is like a cartoon. <laughs> he does that thing brilliantly where when he's on the phone, all, all the phone calls calls are on FaceTime. Yeah. So he has a thing where he just freezes his face. If he doesn't want to talk, he yeah. just pretends it freezes, just pauses. Anyway, I definitely recommend it though. In yeah. A, in a tension, kind of sweating, uncomfortable way. Man versus B. Um, so I have the name first. The music that matters in your life. Oh. <laughs> it's it's not fully formed yet, but. Can I, I have a, d- a better name, I think, which I, it just popped into my head because I was trying to think what it is. It's more um, memory music. Yeah, no, 
That's music from my memories. That, that's memory music, memory music. Yeah. No, that's something completely different. Memory music. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's more music. What you asked me to do was more think music from my life. So I kind of started thinking about just different periods of my life. Um, immediately what came to mind. So I was thinking about being a kid, being a teen, 20s, 30s, 40s. Yeah, it's, it's not That's about... That's what popped into my head. Not music that... Well, I, I do like them, but it was, you know, a moment in time. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's the first one, Harbour Hotel. What, what, like that, that, the minute I hear that, what I think of is being home from school for whatever reason, you know, so that was brilliant. That was a plus. Being in the kitchen and in our house, it wasn't a great music house. Like the only album I, rem- I remember being in the house was Paddy Riley's Ireland. That was it. <laughs> I swear to God, like I don't remember the music, but the radio was always on in our kitchen always like so gay burn that i could have chosen that as well that would have been it but harbor hotel that music for me it just makes me feel warm and cozy and being at the kitchen table and my mum pottering around and sun shining i don't know that's it's just a lovely memory Yeah. I should say that that was what it is because there's people going what the hell is it it was like a lunchtime soap on the radio on Radio 1. Yes. I don't even remember what it was. It was set in like some village. I, I actually, I can't even remember. I don't know anything about the characters, nothing. It was just the music for me. Well, it's obviously a seaside town, Harbour Hotel. Yeah. 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 For Patricia is the best stripper in town. And with the swing of her hips, she started to strip to tremendous applause. This would be illegal now, but when I was about, I'm, I don't know, I'm going to say like 10. So my parents, if there was always people in our house and they were always having parties and we were out a lot as well. And so just for their entertainment, they would pay myself and my sister to sing, you know, a song, something. So the song that myself and my sister used to sing was... A little piece, remember from the Eurovision. Nicole, was it? Nicole, that's right. But my one, the one that I sang on my own, was Christopher Patricia the Stripper. For Patricia, <laughs> is the best and you knew all the words. I knew all the words. I was about ten. Can you imagine all the adults just sitting around and this little roundy ten-year-old with freckly face singing the song and doing all the actions? So I was big into the acting, you know, and I thought it was hilarious. And I just remember people just roaring, laughing, and I loved it. Looking back at it now, <laughs> from a more enlightened time, how it's do you a feel hilarious it? song. It's like ridiculous <laughs> yeah. song, like it really. But you know, my love of Christopher thats where it all started. The mesmeric 
Sinead O'Connor. Like it's only now when you hear her voice to think how powerful that was. Like that was the 80s. Like we didn't have, like for me as a teen girl, to have somebody like Sinead O'Connor and the rawness of her voice and the anger. And it was just so tremendous, like to be a teenage girl. And I was in boarding school. And I remember myself and um, Lisa, who we shared a dorm with, like we used to just blast out that album The Line of the Cobra and every single song Troy Mandinka um, there was another song because the story was that Sinead O'Connor I think went to my school for a very short time I think she was booted out or she left but my Irish teacher Joe Falvey was um, an influence um, on her and he actually brought her down to a recording studio in Waterford and they recorded a track and there was a song on the line of the Cobra called Just Call Me Joe and we all decided that that had to be about (laughs) Joe Falvey. It had to be like because, you know, he'd helped Sinead O'Connor get there. Uh, So, um, but it was just so powerful. Her voice is just spectacular. Does she hold you like I do? Amazing. Uh, amazing. That Mary J. Blige family affair, that was my going out-out song. Right. Like the out-out. If it yeah. was out-out, not just out, it was out-out. That was blasted. I was sharing a house with three of my really good friends and we just had the best crack from about the age of 28 to about 32. And it was during the Today FM time. The show was like really building. We were having an amazing time in work and there was so many amazing nights out. And it just like when I ever whenever I hear that song, it just makes me feel so giddy because it was such a fun time. And there was loads of obviously it wasn't just like perfect, but like overall it was nights out, craziness, crack. And that song to me epitomizes it. And you were going out out. Out out. Yeah, yeah. Top tune. Top tune. tune. But you know what I was thinking? Like there's so many songs you could put in there, but it was all the uh, Irish artists as well at the time because you were playing them all. I think you, you you know, it was absolutely uh, like such a special time. It was all Mundy and um, Bellex One and Damien Rice and um, God, who else? Like all the lads I used to play the whole time that used to come into studio as well. So I was listening to all of that music. Like amazing when you think of it, all Irish music. It was so brilliant. Oh, it, it was it was a golden age of golden Irish music. Golden age, yeah. Supported, you have to say, supported in a huge way by Today FM. Yeah, huge, huge. Uh, And if Today FM didn't exist, I don't know if they would, a lot of them would have had the success that they enjoyed. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm overstating it. Um, But speaking of Today FM and success. Now, for me, that should have been before Mary J. Blige, but that's okay. Okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah, because David Gray, for me, was in my tw- my kind of earlier 20s. Right. So when his kind of first album, about 1993, and that was the first album, like it didn't do spectacularly well. It wasn't the, um, 
uh, White Ladder. White Ladder one. It was a Century Ends. It was the first one. And I I just played that nonstop. And I remember I started going out with this guy and I asked him, you know, to come to David Gray and we went to see him in Whelan's. And as far as I'm concerned, that was the first Whelan's gig now. I don't know if, if that is true. But um, yeah, I was a huge fan of David Gray. Absolutely loved him. It's just, and that album to me is really special. Like there's some gorgeous songs there that I'm sure people don't even know. Like Gathering Dust is one of, for me, one of his best, best songs. It's just. And that was on the first album. That's the first yeah, album. Yeah. yeah. Tell them the story about you telling your sister who worked on a TV show oh, to get know, David Gray We did that. I know. It's, it's one of your greatest hits though. No, we did it. <laughs> oh, Jesus, I'd have to do it fast forward. She was working on the Jerry Ryan show, booking music. I said, you have to get this guy on. Gave her the CD at the time. And then she booked him and then she said, do you want to come in while he's rehearsing? Yeah. And then we pulled up two chairs and we yeah. were honestly about okay. three feet away from him while he was rehearsing, looking at these two crazy Irish girls. And then when he went on air, what, what was there... I can't remember. No. What what was the story about your sister's legs? Oh, no, that was, she was in the intro to the Jerry Ryan TV show. So there was a shot of a girl on a desk in tights and a skirt and Jerry went under. Imagine doing that nowadays. Jerry like skidded under her legs. And they were my sister's legs. (laughs) Back then it would have been, we're just going to film this shot and you would have gone, yeah, great. (laughs) Like there would be no, uh, I just, uh, I just don't think that's appropriate. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable. Probably right. Probably right. No, but there would have been, I suppose my sister wouldn't have said that because she would have just been up for it. That's not to say that's a good thing. Oh my God, look now I'm backtracking. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, move on. So that was David Gray. That was David Gray. Yeah. Uh, Final music matters to Jenny type thing uh, is this one. Who puts the rainbow in the sky? Who lights the stars at night? Who dreamt up someone so divine? Someone like you and made them more. So there. Speechless, yeah. Speechless. Oh, I just, that song, it's very difficult for me because it make like, uh, someone who isn't a crier, that song makes me cry, but it kind of makes me feel, I think that song just represents love for me because um, I, when my dad died suddenly, I remember we had to go through the whole process of organizing a mass. And I remember we spoke together and we were just trying to think of music that would, I don't know, suit, like just, you know, that would help on the day. And we asked Declan to sing Galileo and he did just him and his guitar in the church. And it was just so Mm. perfect. And then you have, on the other hand, then you did the most beautiful thing on our wedding day where a complete surprise to me. I can still remember it, the top of the aisle and then hearing Galileo and kind of being confused and turning around and there was Declan at the back singing Galileo. I was like, this is just the most perfect, beautiful thing ever. So that song just means everything. It means love. Ah, ah so that's it. The music that mattered in your life. Uh, well, we'll say goodbye. Okay, you that's it. Can't top that. Yeah. Now, do you want the theme tune from Harbour Hotel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to end on that. <laughs> You're like, eh, no.
Do remember to subscribe, like I always say at the end, and rate and review. It helps us. And we will talk to you next week. Who puts the rainbow in the sky? Who lights the stars?